0: To Law and Gospel on this August the 18th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're taking a look at another email. But before we do so, I want to remind you of the email we had yesterday from Robin Schumacher when he repeats what atheist W.H. Auden said after he left atheism and became a Christian. And people asked him, his atheist friends, why did you leave atheism? And he said, because I believe in Jesus because he fulfills none of my dreams. Wow, that's quite a statement. What did he mean by that? Well, what he meant by that is that as a natural man, his dreams came from his old Adam, his sinful nature. He had hopes and dreams that Jesus did not fulfill because he explains Jesus deals in the spiritual realm. In fact, We remember Jesus saying to Pontius Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, he's in the kingdom of God, the Holy Christian Church. He's the head of it. And therefore, Jesus doesn't fulfill the dreams of our old Adam, but he certainly fulfills the hopes of our new man. And that's what the atheist was saying. Well, Robin Schumacher sends another email, and here's what he says. There's an older person our family knows who is progressing toward death. And the way things stand right now Those who will miss her when she's gone slides back and forth from the low single digits to zero. In other words, she's not going to be missed. Why? He explains it. She's been abusive to her immediate family and everyone around her for decades and literally personifies the ultimate me monster. In fact, the staff at the medical facilities she's transferred in and out, don't hide their glee when she exits their doors, telling family members they're glad she's off their payroll. And those same family members receive her direct assault every single day, get little reprieve, and struggle with anxiety and exhaustion. It ain't a pretty sight when people who are mean are dying. Maybe you know individually those in a similar kind of turbulent situation with someone, or perhaps you're experiencing the same stormy squalls yourself? Do you take a suck it up putter cup approach where you grin and bear it? Eventually throw in the towel if you can or something else? For some guidance, why don't we check the Bible and see if it has some help for us when we talk about ministering to the nasty. You may or may not have seen the movie called The Chosen. It's about Jesus Christ. And it lasts a particular session for only a few seconds. But it really can make Scripture understood in ways with living color. It's about the multiple times that Christ's biographies read like this. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples and a great multitude from Galilee followed. A great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him, for he had healed many with the result that all those who had afflicted pressed around him in order to touch him. That's Mark chapter 3, 7 to 10. Now, the movie Chosen shows the conclusion of just one of those healing sessions. And it shows Jesus staggering back to his tent, breathing heavily, his clothing stained with blood. The point of the movie, ministering to others in general can be wearying work, even if you're the son of God. Tending to the nasty is especially exhausting work. Don't you wonder about the people who always were seeking out Christ to touch him? Don't you think they were all just loving themselves? And isn't it reasonable to believe that among the large number of crowds of people who clamored for his attention, there were more than a few who were unkind and maybe downright cruel? The Bible makes one thing plain pretty much all of them were out for themselves and didn't care about the person easing their suffering or what would happen to him afterward. The many that he cured were conspicuously absent at his trials and crucifixion. This fact, coupled with Jesus' healing sessions, brings to life a statement in Luke. It's Luke 6, verse 35. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Wow. In their commentary on the passage, Hendrickson and Kirstemeyer say, The ungrateful are those who do not know from the heart to thank God for the blessings he bestows on them. They fail to complete the order. That is, when blessings drop from heaven upon them, they do not recognize them and make any return in the form of humble praises rising from earth to heaven. They are mean people. And that at times includes you and me. For we confess that we sin by thought, word, and deed, that if we are owed anything, it is either temporal or eternal death ungrateful and evil men. Sounds a little like the dying woman who was not liked by the family at all. But then Jesus said, all of us were evil in his Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew seven eleven. If you then being evil... You see, the point is, how many times are we not grateful for the blessings that God has given us? For example, in my own life, after surgery I had, I was unable to walk. Now, I'm getting better at it, but I have tremendous blessings coming to me Even during this injury, I'm still able to preach in churches, still able to be on the radio, still able to be with the family at times, blessing after blessing, even though I sure enjoyed playing tennis, which I can't do anymore because of my injury. You see, as Christian followers, Jesus asks us to serve both the lovely and the unlovely. C.S. Lewis reminds us that when we talk about Christian morals, and Jesus says the second commandment is just important, to love your neighbor as yourself. The word neighbor includes your enemy. Now, when we imitate Christ in that way and are merciful, we're merciful just as our Father is merciful to us. Luke 6, verse 36. To the unkind against us, who are unbelievers, we are to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just to please ourselves. That's what Romans 15, one to three says. There are actually two possible outcomes in being kind to our enemies. One, is that our acts of kindness are used by God to change the heart of our enemy, lead them to be reconciled to us, lead them to God himself, and ultimately alter the person's eternal destination. Does that happen? Uh, you betcha. For, for an example, in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, Brian Johnson, the lead singer of the rock band ACDC, was asked about his upbringing in Dunstan, England. He described it as drab, hard, distant and unwelcoming. But then he was put into a different environment with a family that was loving and warm. And he said, life there knocked the cruel out of me. In fact, the Jewish scholar Philip Hawley had a similar experience while investigating Nazi war crimes, he became very angry and depressed. He almost committed suicide. But when he read about a small village in Germany that showed courage and the love of God by rescuing 5,000 Jewish children during the Holocaust, he described his eternal breakthrough as heart-cracking goodness. Now, the other possibility, when you are kind to your enemy, sadly, is that the expressions of help and love delivered have no change in the person's heart whatsoever. Then it's not so much about them as it is about ourselves. God is using the same experiences His Son underwent with the heartless to uncomfortably mold us into His image. That could be a primary meaning of the Beatitude. Blessed are those. Who are persecuted for my sake. Look how loving Jesus was to the unbelievers who then decided to crucify him because they were not listening properly to his words. On this point, C.S. Lewis says, whenever we do good, to another self, just because it is a self made like us by God and desiring its own happiness as we desire ours, we shall have learned to love it a little more or at least to dislike it less. That's what we do when we are unkind to the mean and the evil. Let's kind of switch the gears a bit. And instead of talking about as caregivers to someone else, how about you and me being the patient, we being the evil one. If Christ does not return During our lifetime here on earth, it may happen to each of us. We'll be the ones in bed, awaiting death, hurting, unhappy, frustrated, and wishing for something better. How will we be treated by those around us at that time? Now, I as a pastor have the wonderful purpose of visiting shut-ins, but some of them are very sad because their spouses have died. They have no children. Nobody hardly calls upon them. They really feel alone. And yet when we visit with them, They are gladdened when they hear about the promises of Jesus Christ, that he will never leave them nor forsake them, and that heaven will be their home. Now, Robin Schumacher talks about an elderly woman who's been a widow for decades. And if anybody asked him what a Christian is supposed to be like, I talk about her. I check in on her, he said, from time to time. And a few weeks back, she wasn't as prompt in getting back to me as usual. I got worried and phoned her again. After a day or so, I was relieved to see her come up on my caller ID. I then contacted her and asked how she had been. And she says, oh, this has been a hard summer for me. She went on to say without any heart-tugging emotion that number one, she had to have her pacemaker Redone. Number two, she had a knee injury. Number three, she has a painful back problem that is ever present. And number four, she has experienced paralysis with one of her voice cords. But then, after giving me these four items, she stopped abruptly and said, but I am content. I'm thankful for what I do have. I just want God to use me in any way he can. I've often said that about the point in the Bible that we will have great bliss in heaven. And there may be a difference in bliss between each of us. And I've talked about a shut-in who can't get out, who is stuck in her home, but who phones people at the church when they become ill or have great despair because of the death of a loved one. And she phones them and gives them comfort from God's word. I would say that in heaven, she could easily have a higher degree of glory than a pastor who doesn't put much work into his sermons. And many of them are at a Sunday school level than at a more mature level. Now tell me, she said after talking about her problems, how are you doing? How is your wife? How are your daughters? What's new with them? Now having questioned me about myself and family for a while, she then moved on to God. Tell me, what new devotions are you reading? How's church? What's on your heart these days? Having gotten answers on all those subjects, she wrapped up her call by saying, Now let me pray for us. And did so by thanking God for our relationship and Christ, who is our salvation. And yes, she's like that with everyone. Do you know what the saddest thing I hear from those who minister to the mean and nasty? That they are dying? Sooner or later, they will say, I hate to say it, but right now, I'm not going to miss them when they're gone. Question. How do you think my friend who's hurting right now will be remembered? Do you think that she'll be missed? Well, the answer is she is loved, missed, and remembered for who she is. Because she is an image bearer of Jesus. The prayer, of Schumacher, is that you also can be filled by the Holy Spirit each day like she is. So no matter our circumstances, we will be remembered in the exact same way. There's no doubt that when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven, he was remembered by all his disciples because he was their redeemer. He had chosen at the request of his father to love his enemies. Remember what he said from the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That's Jesus' attitude toward his enemies. And at times, even his disciples appeared to be his enemies when they were urging him not to heal certain people who were Gentiles or to deal so much with children. Or we all remember Peter, who was told by Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan, when he tried to keep Jesus from going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. Yes, even at times, his disciples gave temptations to Jesus from an enemy's point of view, because they were definitely on Satan's side, just like the serpent was Satan in the Garden of Eden that moved Adam and Eve no longer to love God, but to think of him as an enemy, because they were told, No, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God, knowing good and evil. They felt that God had hid that promise from them. So they went ahead and cursed God by eating from the tree of good and evil. But God did not curse them. He gave them the promise of an eternal savior that would come through the seed of Eve and did from the Virgin Mary. That's the God we have, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who will never leave us, even when we are evil. A great passage to think about. Till Monday,